Morning, everybody. So in Chicago, there's a phrase, West Side, Best Side. Can we say that here for y'all, too? That works, huh? That works. Folks are gathering at your East Campus, and last night I had the privilege of being in the Bedford Campus, and uh, you know what I'm really happy about on, on the bulletin today? You guys have a whole page to take notes on a few things I'm going to be talking about. Check out the room they gave me last night at Bedford. That was it. So that's what I mean by West Side, Best Side, y'all. They're, and the food thing is incredible. I'm, I'm nothing, and the little golf cart, I'm like learning from y'all. So uh, I'm going to take things back to, uh, to Chaitan. Um, it was an honor to be with you, a privilege. Saturday, we poured into a number of folk, on, basically on engaging your community. And, and I think Pastor Brad is going to hang out afterward for a few minutes um, with a heart to form, in essence, outreach teams, folks that are committed to doing outreach here west side. Uh, and beyond. So uh, hopefully you can maybe spend a few minutes uh, with Pastor Brad afterward. And uh, Friday night we did a, I, I, like a little Heart for the City Bloomington bus tour, which was amazing. Stopped in a number of ministries and, and uh, were able to have people jump on the bus. Uh, Salvation Army Teen Challenge and just kind of fire up on us with passion. And uh, I was very encouraged to see the expressions of the body of Christ. First time I've ever been to Bloomington. So yeah. Go Hoosiers, huh? So I'm, I'm, uh, I'm all wide-eyed, like trying to learn and, and process, but um, I'm encouraged by what God is doing in your midst. And, and uh, we're going to be in Matthew 9 this morning in your Bible, if you want to turn there. It's where we're going, and I think there'll be a few principles behind me up on the screen here. And uh, we're going to look at, can we say, the ultimate first responder, the Lord Jesus Christ, who uh, uh, you know, came into our mess. That's kind of cool, huh? So um, we, could, we could title this, Seeing the City Through the Eyes of God modeled by his son, Lord Jesus, following Jesus in a world need uh, wherever we want to go. So it's my privilege to uh, allow this framework to be expressed in, um, as Pastor John said, a lot of different cities, uh, both nationally and internationally. And um, the church is on the move, engaging and growing. And uh, we're seeing that in Chicago, even though I stand before you as one where our city, uh, could you put it on your prayer list, y'all? <laughs> we, uh, we got some issues, not that there's not in other places of the world as well, but part of the work, the labor in our city is Pray Chicago is rallying people to uh, crowd to the Lord for all 77 neighborhoods of our city. And despite the drama, violent shootings, we're seeing the body of Christ come together uh, in ways that are really quite breathtaking. It's the church in all of its finest, you know, the body of Christ, one gospel, one church, one cry. That's what we're after. So uh, I'm believing God to uh, use these few moments in his word. And if you found Matthew 9, that's where we're going to be. And uh, can I, again, pray blessing on our time together? And we'll look at some principles here. Holy Spirit, you are welcome here. We just sang that. Your word tells us, God, that we're two or three are gathered in your name, that you are present. And we thank you, and we give you permission. God, we need to hear from you this morning. Um, it didn't really necessarily come to hear from me at all or anybody else that's been up front. But God, um, I would pray that uh, I would speak your words through your word and that you by your spirit would tug on our hearts. God, um, just as Pastor John said, we want to engage needs around us. We don't want it to be kind of a Sunday thing. God, we want to we look forward to Monday and through the whole week and we want to serve you in our neighborhoods, schools, businesses, whatever that looks like. God, um, we need your help. We, uh, we want to learn now from the model of your son, our Savior, his calling of his disciples to follow. God, we want to follow. But Lord, we know that where you go is to places of need. And we need courage. We need compassion. And we ask you, God, uh, to tug on our hearts. And we thank you in advance for what you will do. In Christ's name, amen. 
Okay, we are in Matthew 9, guys, and uh, I'd like you to notice, since we don't have um, uh, a ton of time here, we're going to jump right down into verse 9, and uh, the, the first principle, well, I'll give you four C's, okay? Uh, what does it mean to follow Jesus, following Jesus in a world of need, seeing the city with the eyes of God, whatever we want to call this? The first word is a call or a calling. Look at verse 9. There's Jesus um, uh, passing on from other things that he was doing, seeing a man called Matthew, Levi, who was a despised tax collector, if you know the story. And his words, his uh, invitation is quite simple. Follow me. Follow me. Now, can we do a little Bible bounce around thing? Keep your finger in chapter 9 and flip over to chapter 4. And you'll see the same invitation to follow. While you're turning to chapter 4, that word play in chapter 9 means to come after me, to be with me. It's a call to intimacy, to relationship, more than it is to a job or a tax. So primarily, Jesus' call is join me, be with me, come spend time with me, obviously through his word, through prayer. Every day, we choose to follow, to keep our lives aligned with him. So that's his invitation. It's not necessarily yet to a job as much as it is to a relationship. You feeling that? That's the call. Come be with me. Spend time with me. Get to know me. Now, Matthew 4, if you're there, look with me in verse 18. Walking by the Sea of Galilee, he sees two brothers, Simon called Peter and Andrew, casting a net into the sea because they were fishermen. And Jesus gives them the same invitation. Follow me. Now, there's a little bit more of a reason why we follow. I will make you fishers of men. So men and women, I stand before you this morning as saying you follow to fish. Amen? You don't just follow to come to church. You don't just follow to be in a small group or Sunday school or whatever the stuff that we do. We follow to fish, and hear me now, if we're not fishing for men, for souls, boys and girls, women, whatever, just saying, we're probably not fully following, amen? We don't follow to sit in the stands, let's use a basketball imagery. We follow to be on the floor, amen? To be in the game, to have a role through your gifts, talents, abilities. There's all kinds of ways you can fish. But if you're not fishing, you're probably not following. Does that make sense? That's a scary thing, isn't it? Because we start thinking about when was the last time I had a fairly serious conversation with someone who doesn't know Jesus. Let me ask you this. How many non-believers do you know? Are they in your circle of friends? See what I'm saying? It isn't just being in the, in the, in the church bubble in the cocoon, we weren't made for that. The best days of the church are Monday through Saturday, y'all. They are. TGIM. Thank God it's Monday. Woohoo! I know there's a restaurant TGIF, but let's flip that thing. So I know I'm just not driving in from Chicago to mow it all over you, but guys, I believe this. It is the call to follow so that we can fish. Now, I want you to see something here that is intriguing. Verse 20. They immediately left their nets to follow. Let's think about a net. The purpose of a net is to catch fish, right? To, they get entangled in the net, right? 
So be careful of the nets that entangle you to keep you from fishing. These may not be hardcore sinful stuff. They could be other people. Spouse, boyfriend, girlfriend, children, grandkids, anything. Sorry, Jenna. Yeah, I said grandkids. She was like, Doc, don't go there with the grandkids thing. No, but it can be anything. Anything that can keep you distracted from being on mission. Here's a really tough one, y'all. Sorry, this is probably the ultimate one and done message. We're like, we're not having Doc come back again. It's your stuff, your possessions. Taught a lot of classes at Moody for a long time, a lot of mission, urban ministry, evangelism, 17 years. And uh, anybody who studies the cause and the course of mission, they're called missiologists, will tell you that the greatest deterrent to mission in this country for the last number of years, let's say post-World War II, has been our stuff. Jesus and stuff too, baby. Woohoo! And I get to go to heaven. It's all about me, right? Wow. Be careful about your stuff your possessions, it will, you will spend so much time maintaining that that you will get lost on your way to fishing. Could be your own plans. These are all P's, you know, people, possessions, plans. I mean, we all make them, don't we? Do they include opportunities to witness, to share the good news, even to be out meeting unbelievers, befriending? Uh, it's why we follow. We follow to fish could even be your profession. There's another P, your job. We all work. We need income. I get it. So do I. But be careful that you allow things to get in the way. Jesus simply said, follow me, guys, and you're going to fish for men. So this following, guys, it's a continuous process every day. I, my, my prayer, even this morning again, for I can't even remember how many years now, is God, I choose to follow you today. And I give up the right to myself. I will cross out the I of my life. Galatians 2.20, I'm crucified with Christ. And I will put the needs of others ahead of myself. A habitual pattern of following who? Follow me, Jesus said, not just Pastor John. That's a good, he's a good guy to follow. Jesus says, follow me. Follow me. And notice, I will, I love it. You can take that to the bank. If you follow, you will fish. Because Jesus is on mission, that's what we're going to see. He is always on mission. Hear me now, if the church is not on mission, you have no more reason for being, y'all. It isn't just about this. The role of a shepherd is to equip the saints for the purpose of ministry. So the measurement of vibrancy is not fannies in the seat. It's how many people are trusting Jesus. You understand? It's not just moving Christians around. Now that you're multi-site. Okay, I'm a part of a church in Chicago called Park, planted by Moody Church over 25 years ago. I say this to the grace of God. There's nine campuses. We are intentionally diligent, looking people in the eye and say, we're going to grow this thing in the community. Persons that are learning and becoming Christ followers are going to add to it. See what I'm saying? Be careful not to settle. Follow me and I will make you. We're all under construction. Be encouraged. Even as you hear my words this morning, God is not finished with any of us yet. He is committed to shaping, making, 
molding you. You know that little bumper sticker we see on cars sometimes, please be patient, God is not finished with me yet kind of thing. And, and we're all there, so am I, every one of us. He will make us fishers. We follow to fish. Well, if you're still in Matthew 4, we need to get back to 9 in a moment here. So they, they leave their nets, Peter and John, sorry, Peter and Andrew, and they follow. And the cool thing is two brothers, James and John, do the same. Jesus calls them to follow. And I love this word again, immediately, no hesitation. I, I, would, I would sincerely encourage you, is there an immediacy in your life to follow? Lord, I'm coming. I will obey I will heed the, the, the tug of the Spirit to share a word of, of encouragement as I'm in the line at the grocery store or at the bank or as I go about. I will be watching. I will be listening, saying, God, is there someone that I can um, lovingly encourage today, speak truth into their life, pray blessing over them, that your radar is up constantly as a Christ follower. It's why we're here. It's how you roll, baby. We're the church. You feeling me? That's, that's our DNA, guys. Amen. Yeah, you, woo, I like that. I speak a lot in African-American churches, and uh, you get amen, you preach, bring doc, whoa, go doc, you know, so you're, you're getting anything like that is, uh, fires me onward. Let's go back to Matthew 9. Matthew 9. So there's another word in verse 9. So again, the calling is where we're at here. And Matthew Levi responds, and it says, he followed him, verse 9 again. Matthew, Levi, follow. Now, this word means to identify, to imitate, to give one's allegiance to. See the difference? So that the invitation is to be with me, Jesus says. As I am spending time with him in his word, in prayer, we know this, don't we? He changes us. Our interests become his interests. Our eyes, we start to see our city, our community, our town through the eyes of God. We begin to understand our calling to fish in myriad of ways, creative, practical, often hidden ways where no one sees but you're faithful to represent. So as we are spending time with him, we are becoming more and more like him, companionship. And then the natural thing is to I give my allegiance to you, my Lord, my captain. I will follow I will identify, I will be one who will imitate who you are and where you go. Now, so the first principle there, the calling, is to follow. Now, the second one is the cause. What is it that Jesus is calling his disciples to do? By the way, there was more than just Matthew Levi. There's a few others here. You know the names and the numbers. Verse 10 through 12 is where we are now. So the first principle, the calling, verse 9. Second one, the cause, verses 10 through 12. So there goes Jesus, you know, the ultimate first responder, and he's hanging out, look at verse 10, with tax gatherers and sinners. And notice he goes into their house. I love the fact that the text tells us that I'm in the New American Standard in verse 10. There's Jesus hanging out with sinners. Tax gatherers were despised in that day. Jewish citizens that collected taxes for the Roman government. People were not feeling those guys and others as well. Now notice 11 and 12, the Pharisees see this. Here's the exact phrase of this. Why is a holy man hanging out with those kind of people? Now everybody in this room can fill in the blanks of those kind of people. 
in your community, in the town, in the city. We all know who those kind of people are, right? Other side of the tracks. We don't associate with them. In fact, rather than first responding, running in to a mess, what do we do? We pull back, right? We critique, we criticize. We were talking last night, at, and uh, the reminder that Dr. Billy Graham, many, many years ago, God is the judge, the Holy Spirit convicts, the church is to love. Think about that. It's not your job to judge sinners, y'all, because every finger you point, right back at you. Take a look in the mirror, right? Sinners saved by grace. There but God's grace go I. It's not the church's job to judge sinners. And you can't change a heart. You can fish like crazy, but only the Spirit of God can bring, amen? Amen. But what can we do? Ridiculously love people without excuse, without judgment. Now, I'm not saying change anything and compromise and crash and burn. Goodness gracious, we have the Holy Spirit within us, amen? So let's man up a little bit with some courage. And let's be willing to go. The ultimate first responder is the church, guys, with absolute respect to police firemen. But the church responds. Jesus came into our mess, Philippians 2. So find a mess and go get it and welcome to being the, on, a, on the team. That's a Christian. It's not just a pastor, a professor, a missionary. Find a need and meet it. That's why you're here. And if you're not doing that, you have to really look in the mirror. And say, God, what, what, what am I really following? It, it, our prayer list should be full of unbelievers that you know, okay, that you're spending time with. Amen. That's, that's the, call to the cause. Jesus goes to sinners. He goes to people that are messed up. Wow. Remember this old hymn, Jesus, what a friend for sinners. Jesus, lover of my soul. Friends may fail me, foes assail me, he my Savior makes me whole. Hallelujah, what a Savior. Hallelujah, what a friend. Saving, helping, keeping, loving. He is with me to the end. Now, the, the cause of sinners, the needs, I'm going to come back to verse 13 in a moment. I want you, um, oh, let, let me finish up the Pharisees' response, verse 12. When they heard this, when Jesus heard what the Pharisees were saying, he responds, Guys, it's not those who are healthy who need a doctor, but those who are sick. Jesus said, I came for those with issues, with drama, with needs that are spiritually sick. The Son of Man came, you can quote this verse with me, right? To seek and to save those who are lost, Luke 19, 10. That's why he came. It's who he is, and he calls us to do the very same thing. His invitation to follow is to fish, find a mess, and go get it. I'm going to come back to 13 in a moment, but... I'm just, I want to tell you verses 14 all the way through 34 is the part that we always skip over. And we go to the end, and, and I'll get there in a moment. It's a real missional thing. The harvest is plentiful. The workers are few. But you know what? Jesus uh, illustrates what sinners look like, if you will, the cause. Verses 14 all the way down through 34. And I'll give these to you. And they, they're kind of rhythmic so you can remember them. The dead, the dumb, the demonized, the bleeding, and the blind. If you're taking notes here, verses 18 through 26, the dead. This is Jairus' daughter who had died. It's all in there. I don't have time to look at it with you. And Jesus is on mission to heal Jairus' daughter, the dead. The demonized and the dumb are verses 32 through 34. They're taking along too. Guys, this is deep end of the pool stuff. This ain't no little Sunday school gig. I mean, these are some serious issues. The demonized. 
Oh my goodness, we delegate that to the pastor. We couldn't possibly, right, have anything to say to somebody. Yes, you can, because you have the Holy Spirit in your life. Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. But, but wow, and again, the disciples, can you imagine the disciples taking along? Like, whoa, buddy, Peter says to Andy, I, I can't believe we signed up for this. John's going, let's go back to this old fishing gig I had before, you know. I mean, they're watching. Jesus is modeling to all of us. What does it mean to follow? So the dead, the dumb, the demonized, the bleeding. This is verses 20 through 22. This is the woman with the issue of blood. 12 years. Can you imagine? 12 years. And she's coming to Jesus for healing. And the blind, verses 27 to 31. You almost have to laugh because I have to be careful I don't fall off our old stager. But there's Jesus. The disciples are following Jesus. Jairus is taken along on his way to hopefully that Jesus is going to heal his daughter. Demonized, and I don't know how the dumb guys are not quite able to call out, but you know what I'm saying. And then even the blind guys, you know, I'm going to fall off. The, you know, what a, what a motley crew. What a picture. What a glimpse. What a mess. But Jesus with ultimate answers. So here's the point with this, and we need to keep moving here. Yikes. Every generation, every church should be able to articulate who are the dead, the dumb, the demonized, the bleeding, and the blind in Bedford, in Bloomington East West, in your sphere of influence. Who are they? I think many of you, when we talk about those kind of people, you kind of know where I'm going now. Those that typically fall through the cracks, the marginalized, the hurting, the poor, drugs, gangs, violence, abuse, LGBT, anything. Muslim, ISIS, any way, you know, undocumented. It's all there. It's on our watch. God expects us to figure it out. He trusts his church to engage. It's our Esther moment. Such a time as this. So the work of a spiritual leader to shepherd one's sheep is before God to say, oh God, we will identify the dead, the dumb, the demonized, the bleeding, and the blind. We will follow you into that mess. We will pray. We're going to see that in a moment. We will rally and train our folks to have the capacity to engage. That's the church. That is the greatest need in America right now. Hey, we're all nervous about voting November 7. I get that. That welcome, we have become that as a nation on our watch while we were doing church, okay? Whose fault is it? It's not in the White House. It's in the church. I'm the problem with Park Community Church in Chicago. You are the great hope, it's on your bulletin here, <laughs> and the opportunity in this community. If you want to change the culture, change the church. Chuck Colson, Prison Fellowship. God always starts with his own. Wow, the call, the cost. Now, there is a key hinge word here, the cost, and it's in verse 13. And uh, wow, go and learn what it means, Jesus says to his followers, I desire compassion. And that word simply means to suffer with, to suffer with hurting, broken people. The cost is inconvenience, is tears, your schedule's going to get messed up. Your heart's going to break. People are going to say you're a little bit out in the deep end of the pool. You know, you took your little spiritual floaties off and you waded in over your head. That's where the church does its best work, by the way, when you can't touch the bottom. Because the Holy Spirit had better show up at that point. See what I'm saying? So church, take your floaties off, man. Get in the deep end of the pool where the drama is. But hey, you better know how to swim. You're going to take in a little water. It's going to be a little scary out there, all right? 
But that is compassion, to ache, to let your heart break, to enter into places of brokenness and need and drama, to weep with those in tears, to be vulnerable, powerless, to be immersed in people's mess. That's compassion. It's not learned in church. It's not learned in Moody Bible Institute. It's learned on the streets. Best days of the week, baby, Monday through Saturday. That's where you learn compassion. Man, we should come back in here and we should be so jacked and juiced up about what happened during the week. I mean, the testimony time should be the best thing, man. Wow, I had the opportunity to talk about Jesus. See what I'm saying? What happens when we open up the mic for that? It gets real quiet in the room, right? You know where I'm going with that. So let's not do that. Let's dare to pray and dream and say, God, just blow up our comfort. Disturb us, Lord. Help us look in the mirror and say, God, I want my life to be ever only all for thee. That phrase from that great old hymn, take my life and let it be. The cost, and ultimately the climax, because I need to be done here. The climax is in verses 37 through 38. So let's, go, let's read 35 through 38. So there goes Jesus. Where does Jesus go? He goes into the mess, the drama, through the towns and the villages, teaching, proclaiming, healing. Verse 36 is our phrase again for compassion. Again, seeing the city with the eyes of God, seeing the town, seeing whatever it is, seeing the multitudes, he felt compassion. Why? They were distressed, downcast, sheep without a shepherd, the margin of my Bible in the New American Standard says harassed, helpless, thrown down, wounded, messed up. Now amazingly, in verse 37, 38, Jesus comes back and says, guys, I'm paraphrasing here, I just showed you the harvest. Plentiful, dead, dumb, demonized, bleeding, and blind. You just saw it. There it was. But guys, the workers are few. Why are the workers few? Because we don't want to go into the mess, guys. So the famous phrase, Lord, here am I, send Tob. You know? I mean, seriously. Oh, God, I pray for this. And God says, stop praying and get busy. I've made a way for you through Christ. The Holy Spirit is alive and well in your life. Now represent all of us through our gifts, talents, abilities. We all have a part. We all have a role. The reason the workers are few is because we don't want to do this. Be honest. Look yourself in the mirror. Will you let God break your heart for what breaks his? We sing that chorus, right? Break my heart for what breaks yours. Pretty gutsy song, y'all. Because when God starts to do that, it hits the fan. It's messy. But you don't get being a Christian until this journey takes place in your life. It's why we exist. It's the church at its best. Harvests are plentiful, workers are few. Jesus' answer is amazing. To pray. Pray the Lord of the harvest. What happens when we pray? This is kind of a sneaky thing he does on us. You become the answer to your own prayer. <laughs> How's that, huh? Jesus knew that if your prayer list began to be a little bit more fuller with unbelievers, people with issues, dramas, and, and, and as I, my wife and I often do, every day, man, we're getting after stuff like this, prayerfully. God begins to soften your heart, tears to your eyes, gives you compassion to want to love and engage. So the, our prayer life is not some little distant thing where we sit in seats like this and, oh, God, save sinners. 
When you begin to specify those and when there are names on those, you become the answer to your own prayer. God, may this week be an opportunity for me to love on so-and-so. Harvest is plentiful. Workers are few. Pray. So the call is to follow. The cause, sinners. The cost is compassion. And the climax is harvest. God help us, huh? Y'all, I'm learning with you. I don't have time to go into some of the stories and drama, but there's all kinds of messes that we're... As a family, as a ministry, heart for the city, stuff in our city, man, we got so much need. And yet, we're asking God, we're asking God to help us, the church in Chicago, to change the DNA of our city. I'm believing God to do that on our watch. It's ridiculously like goofy to even say that, but I believe he can. Could you offer that prayer as well for the Bloomington community? That God would use you guys as a way to change the DNA. Amen? Can I pray? And then I believe... Uh, Pastor John's coming back up. Father, thank you for your word. Oh, God, the practicality of it. It hits us right between the eyes. Thank you for the model of your son, our Savior, who came into our mess. Lord, we're, we're humbled by this calling to follow. We're, Father, I think we're quite convicted when we consider the messes around us and how we often run away from rather than run into. And God, I pray by your spirit that you would continue graciously to tug on our hearts, inviting us to follow, giving us the courage to count the cost. And Father, that you would enable us to see a harvest, a climax. Lives changed, souls saved. Father, not for any credit, to Sherwood Oaks, to any one of us individually, but Father, that the name of Jesus would be higher and lifted up for the fame of your name, God, for the growth of your kingdom. That's our intent. We love you, Lord. Thank you that you are making us into fishers. We take great hope in that because, God, we have a lot to learn. Thank you for your patience with us. Thank you for your insatiable love for those of us in this room, and every person who is an image bearer, God, deeply loved by you, help us to love them with the same kind of love. And we're going to thank you in advance, God, for what you will do. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. Amen.